Ladies and gentlemen and podcast fans around the world, welcome to your world debut of the Better Than Most Things podcast with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel like there should be some clapping. <laughs> we can put that in post. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. This is our uh, inaugural episode of the Better Than Most Things podcast. Long time coming. Yes. Uh, my name is Sean, and I am one of your hosts. And my name is Max, and I'm another host. And then we're joined here by producer Mr. E. Hey, 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 it's Mr. E. Uh, we ourselves, uh, Max and I, are the former hosts of the Dubious Bakery podcast. And the Dubious Bakery was a podcast that we started around 2009, 2010, possibly. Early in the cut. Which is when I think podcast was invented type of deal. So if we had kept up with it, we would have been bajillionaires, but it's okay. We're just thousandaires right now. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so but we, we always loved podcasting and we really want to get back into it so with that background of the dubious bakery we kind of made a new one yeah and this was the perfect opportunity um how did we come up with the name for this this one yeah it was um a hotly debated subject for many days we used, we came and hung out many times smoked many bowls drank many beers <laughs> yes. and then what this was took the forever i did just to come up with better than most things which is crazy which i love it's a great phrase uh-huh. i love saying it all the time but what was the other one we just talked about the other day oh okay what so one it? of the other titles i was thinking about was a uh, super massive cluster fun yes <laughs> super massive cluster uh say uh, <clears throat> super massive cluster fun yes and I shopped that around to quite a few people, just, you know, pitched it here and there to random people. And every time I pitched it, the next question was, what What was that called? Supermassive Cluster Fun? Yeah. And they could <laughs> never remember it for more than two minutes. Yeah. So it, that was out. I mean, I know the name. You want it to me stick. a second to say it. Like, yeah, it's a whole thing. But we'll just, we'll try to work that in here as well. But Better Than Most Things, I think, is a great name as well. And we got this by a conversation that we had of, well, let's talk about the show. What's the show going to be? That's true. Like, I actually, uh, we made a joke where uh, he was like, what is the show about? What is this thing? Why are people going to listen? And so I said, well, the show is worse than sex, but it's going to be better than most things. <laughs> and we thought it was funny, and we kept saying it. And even like a day or two later, we kept saying better than, like, worse than sex, better than most things. So the show actually was almost called worse than sex, better than most things. Uh-huh. And then we realized just the phrase better than most things was fun to say and like and was nice on your ear. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's important to note that, you know, the title is not saying we're best. We're better than most podcasts because that's absolutely not true. No, not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> then things in just, general. Just it's things, even yeah. bigger than that. Just yeah, then things like tables, mice, freaking dogs. We're better than most things. And so it's even more grander, actually. <laughs> but actually, something cool happened that I just found out today. So this has been we've been hyping the better than most things premiere for like what weeks, months been a long time coming, right? Yeah. And so Sean was gracious enough. He actually gave us all gifts in the beginning. He's been hyping these gifts up for like forever. And they did live up to the hype. I almost don't want to go too much into it because we can talk the whole show about what he gave us. But maybe we can for a little bit. But I want to talk about something else that he got us. I want to talk about your gifts. So like, what should we do? All right. Uh, so uh, I say we hold off on that. Okay. And uh, I think this show, let's tell him what this show is about. <sighs> This show is going to be about big brain Fine. nonsense that we, the hosts, are underqualified to talk about. <laughs> but we're going to do it anyways, be damned. Pretty much. It's almost like, imagine you had a test tomorrow and you didn't study that well. <laughs> so you still study it anyway, and then you try to present it to the teacher. That's kind of what the show is about, because at least for me, because yeah. I'm always 
trying to tell you about big brain things that I, I don't have any reason to talk about. And I don't know anything <laughs> about it. And if you ask me one question beyond what the fucking article said, I won't be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much what this show is going to be about. So uh, if you can walk away from this show with a story to tell one of your buddies, we've done our jobs. That's true. And usually that does happen. There's something, something memorable each time. Yep. We're going to cover a large array from, you know, sciences, space, oddities of nature, poop, lots of fun stuff. Well, do you have your first, I was like, I, I can start with my topic if you want. But oh, like, no, no. Well, I'm sorry. I, I put off the gifts just to kind of wrap that up. So, Oh, back you, to the gift. I would love to talk about them really quick. Yeah. So uh, for the inaugural episode here, since uh, internally we've been working on this for months. Yeah. Uh, half a year. Coming. Yeah. For a while now. It means nothing to you guys, but to us, <laughs> it was a big deal. We're like, oh my God, we're actually recording now. In our minds, there's a million people listening right now in their cars, and they're flipping out. That's right. So uh, what I did for the guys here, um, I have a 3D printer. It's a a Flash Forge Creator Pro, if anyone's wondering. And uh, I used PLA to build these guys some uh, fun stuff for Maestro. Is is PLA just plastic goop? Uh, It's a plastic – it's a type of plastic, and it comes in a spool. Goop is different than spool, I'm assuming. Goop, goop is like a fluid. Yeah, goop implies I'm just liquid. trying to think of something like, because people are stupid, right? So like, Remember, so, this man said big brain talk. And well, he's, he's asking like, questions like that. Well, what's the term? He's like, PA, whatever the fuck he said, like, we all know what the fuck it is. I'm like, what? Like, is that a, I, but I know 3D printers just print out of plastic something. So I guess it's spools instead of, I assumed it was like an ink goopy reservoir. <laughs> Your question Whatever. is valid because it, the nozzle heats it up and it turns into a, a goop that it then lays down in layers. But point being, uh, I wanted to give these guys something good because they've been working hard and fucking we've all been working hard. And so I printed out some fun knickknacks for uh, everybody here, including myself. Um, you probably should talk about them now, but just say it briefly. Okay. I got a Zat Nicotel gun. It's from Stargate. and I love it, but that's it. I got a goddess chest 3D printed from the Legend of Zelda series with the Ocarina of Time planted inside the chest. Maestro, yell it. I got a Terminator skull. That's right. That was a T-800 Terminator skull. And then I made myself a Predator mask. Okay. I've always wanted one. That's out of the way. We just had had to – everyone has to know that just because it was so cool. And if you want to check those out yourself, you can go to our Instagram and we're going to post pictures of those shortly after this episode. BTMT underscore podcast. Actually, before this episode, we're going to ramp up with them. There you go. Uh, there you go. You'll what the be... fuck do we know? Right, well, I, we'll talk about it after. Who knows how this will turn out? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right. But the last thing was I was not the only one to give gifts here. Maestro, yes. former producer of our Dubious Bakery podcast. This was really unexpected. Which I think we've made available online at thedubiousbakery.com. Yes, thedubiousbakery.com. Please um, Maestro. End up gifting us a star. A star. A star, bro. We own a star. A whole, a whole star. Thank you, Maestro. It's one of the Big Dipper seven stars, we found out. <laughs> one of the seven, it's one of those, bro. So when you see the Big Dipper, think better than most things podcast. Go fuck yourself. And the star, I think Maestro named it uh, better than most stars. It's better than most stars, yes. So awesome. like, when you see stars in the sky, just remember there's one that's better than most. Yeah, he bought it from a guy after he uh, bought a bridge from him, too. So, <laughs> You know what's funny? I hate to, like, That's shit on his story. gift. I've heard that the same way. It's like, yeah, dude, that shit's all bullshit. 
<laughs> like if they found like some alien uh, stuff like around our planet, they would be like, oh, around the better the most oh, star. The they'd name. be like C one three five. Like they'd be no. That is all bullshit. But I still appreciate that. I really yeah. do. Dude, the gesture is amazing. Yeah, the gesture is great. Considering like now Very everything nice. will be tied. Whenever we talk about space stories, it'll be tied to how far away it is from the better the most thing star. Which, by the way. We haven't figured out the location yet. Maestro says that'll be coming down the pike. For so sure. stay mean, tuned in further episodes. We will constantly give you updates about the star, which I imagine is going to be like, everything's the same. Nothing's <laughs> changed since last time, but we'll see. We'll see. The cool thing is that the star was inaugurated on the date of our yeah. debut, which is oh, super yeah. awesome. Yes. Just a lot of unexpected things today. Like I got a bunch of gifts. I feel like I owe everyone 20 bucks or something. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll... Uh, no, it's a gift. Sorry. So, unless we have any uh, further exposition to do, you want to guys just yes, jump into like, the show? do a show now. I know, right? All right. All right. So, I'm going to ease us into this whole thing, which is just a nice, easy topic. Right. All right. I know. I'm setting us up for, like, poop or something or murder, <laughs> but like, it's right not. It's bottle. really not. That's what it sounds like. No. So, researchers think they have figured out why dogs' noses are always cold. Mm. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I can predict it, but I don't want to ruin it. Go ahead, predict it. I'd assume it's something with smelling because they smell so much. So maybe they, I don't know, that's, absorb more smell that way. That's kind of where my head went too. Okay. But uh, this is because they uh, think the dog's nose is used as a heat sensory mechanism. Oh. So not only is the dog using its nose to smell, but because its nose is colder than the ambient temperature around it, it can sense where hot spots are up to uh, five feet away. That's actually pretty cool. Because yeah. Because they can hunt prey or something like that. If we had that ability, we could do the same thing. If we could somehow graph the DNA. And so this was uh, published in the Scientific Reports Journal. And the study was done by researchers from Sweden and Hungary. Hung- Hungary, sorry. Uh, Lund <laughs> University and Eotu... Iot Vos Laren University. Well, I just want to say, I love your pronunciations. <laughs> like, for this this should be a running thing because I have some pronunciations <laughs> later on too. So don't, it's not just you. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, like, it's hard to pronounce these smart people's names, man. Like, they're so smart, but their names are atrocious. Breaking news. Uh, I'm going to stop my story for a second. I forgot to mention that every new episode will come out on Monday. So stay tuned. Thank you, producer for bringing that up. I got oh, your back. That's really important. Yes. <laughs> I got your yes. back. Oh my gosh. Breaking news. Like for, one of my goals for this podcast is I, I like all new kind of, I like new ideas first uh-huh. of all. So things no one's thought of. And then I also want to somehow use all the information we learned to like either help humanity or somehow do something in the future. So I'm curious, how would you use the, couldn't agree more. The dog nose technology. Give it one, one minute. Let's not get Scooby on this. Okay. Uh, one minute. Uh, I would say, Dog nose technology. I don't even have an idea yet. Dog nose technology. I was thinking like immediately, I was like, how can I make this for sex? But uh, it's probably not going to work. I, I guess. Okay. I'm going to say um, um, reco- in Antarctica, we will equip everyone with the dog nose technology. And then within five feet, they can at least sense survivors, which is better than what we have now. Oh, maybe. I mean, we could be uh, facetious about this. Maybe you use that for avalanches when people are buried under snow. And it's, you know, if it's within five feet. You know, you'll detect it like a divining Maybe rod or some Maybe it'd be like shit. on a mask, like, a, like a weird mask thing. We have thermal goddamn goggles that can detect no, use things the from... Nose. I know. Okay, fine. <laughs> Fuck this. This is over. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I was actually looking into something the other day that I thought was really cool. Um, when we think of space, I think we always think of the vastness of space. We always think of 
the temperature, the coldness of space. I try to imagine the edges, and it's the edges of space. That's what yeah, you think about because they say oh. it's expanding, and like wrap your head around that. That's crazy. Well, it's expanding so fast that I think the idea of an edge is a very human concept. Agreed. Right? Because Agreed. like you can't never really get to the edge if it's constantly moving. So I don't think there's really an edge. So you're dumb, and <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Yeah, but what's cool about this is um, I was reading this article, and it was discussing the smell of space. Oh. Fun. Yes. So space actually has a smell. Did they use dog nose technology for ah! that? So dog nose technology was used in this cutting edge. No, it wasn't. So, I like that. Space has a smell despite not having any uh, air or gaseous particles in it. Correct. And you are right in that in theory you cannot smell in space. If you're in space, you cannot smell anything because there is no air to transfer that smell. So what happens is, let's say an astronaut takes a brand new space suit and they go out on the space station to fix a bolt in, I don't know, somewhere. Okay. And they go back into the ship. They report that they smell like space, which is, um, it huh. smells... Give me one second. It smells metallic or almost like charred meat, hmm. seared steak, hot metal, or welding fumes. It has been described oh, as. Oh, man. Yeah. So it smells, they they almost say they smelled fried or burnt when they come out from space. I That would kind of make sense given the amount of radiation in raw space. Just bathing everything in energy, essentially, burning the hell out of it. Well, here's what, I'm going to say, like, it's weird because when I started looking at this article, I thought it was saying why they smell like this. But then I watched this YouTube video where huh. this guy said another idea. So now I'm not sure exactly what this smell could be. So okay. here's what they think it is. So they think it's they're polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. I'll say that again just for your Googlers out there. Uh-huh. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. And in layman's terms, what it basically is, is when stars cook all those hydrogen shit and like produce all that stuff... Think about a fire. You know all the ash that's going out there? Yep. And stars, they're doing the same thing. Okay. They're creating this ash, if you will, these these particles or these compounds that are all over the, the universe because, you know, all the Newton laws, they just keep going and stuff. So these huh. particles are all over the universe, period. And when you go out there, they attach to your suit, to whatever the f- so fuck you're wearing. They're and- saying space is not that empty. There are particles just floating around it. These particles are essentially stagnant, right? It's not like they're the spacesuits are being bombarded by them by the sun constantly. They are just floating out in space. I guess they're ever, it's it, a factor it, of the both? answer is yes or no type of wheel. Okay, like I mean, I wouldn't say they're sitting there like forced on them. There's not like a but. That being said, the sun is producing them, so on some level, yes, they are being bombarded by them because they huh. are everywhere. These huh. particles that ex- attach to your suits, so and then when you go back to the station. In an oxygen-rich environment, right? You could smell the the space on uh, somebody. So this is just one dude's theory on YouTube, right? No, no, no. This is a a known fact. That oh, okay. They, okay. Uh, I'm more saying the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbon thing, uh-huh. where and they said how it's the basically the ash of the stars. That was the 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 main basically reason is what they said. But I watched Chris Hatfield. He's like one of the most famous astronauts right now on YouTube. And he was saying, he talked about the smell of space, and that is true. So that is a fact that they smells like all this stuff. But he was talking about how he was, he basically was saying, maybe the space station itself, because it's exposed to space, is releasing a metallic smell itself because of all the radiation and bullshit. So when you, when you go out there and fix the space station, 
mm-hmm. you're being attached by this metallic whatever the hell from the station itself and bringing that in. That's what he said. But all these other articles made it sound like it's these polycyclic arom- aromatic hydrocarbons that are made from the stars. So I would tend to believe it's that but i like this idea where maybe it is just like the metal itself in space is releasing a smell and and just attaching to the astronauts and that could be that as well that's a very uh easy thing to figure out right like i guess you that's why, uh, that's why i want to believe the other one more where it's it's they're probably like this the the guy who said that those particles are everywhere he wasn't just some nobody he was actually someone else from nasa too i haven't Versus Joe Schmo on YouTube. Exactly, I have his name written down somewhere. It's 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 true, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, like it was some guy who was saying, yeah, these particles are everywhere, and which makes sense because these stars are cooking all this stuff down and stuff. But what's really cool is, so we're thinking about the smell of space in our area of space. So they oh. can smell different in other areas too. Okay. So there could be areas of space that smell like sweet sugar. There could be areas that smell like. Eggs, like rotten eggs, like sulfur type of deal. But what's really cool, uh, the dust cloud at the center of the Milky Way contains large amounts of ethyl formate. And as we all know, (laughs) right? Yeah, ethyl formate um, is the compound that gives raspberries their flavor. Oh, no shit. So in theory, you could be coming out smelling like raspberries if you go a space rock somewhere in the center of the galaxy type of deal. There also also could be uh, alcohol smelling places as well. And one more thing before I'm done is I know you're a Futurama fan uh love me some futurama uh, farnsworth he had the smelloscope yeah well now it makes oh, more sense right you can actually uh, like observe the universe via smell that is very cool ah that's fun okay i because i had heard about the uh, smell of space but never like that much about it yeah i was really fascinated by the idea of it just because i think we like star trek and all space i mean we pretty much like space stuff uh-huh. and but when I think of going to space, I don't think about the realities of actually going to space. I think about the fantasy. Yes. <laughs> and I'll go into that later. I have other topics about the, like that. But for the most part, it's – when you think of Star Trek, it's it's all nice and perfect. The outside – Oh, it's a back Marriott in. Suites yeah, in space. Yeah, we're all have gravity and everything. But the real idea of space is crazy and we're floating around and we smell like burnt steak. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting bombarded by particles and radiation and the, the viruses are trying to get you. I have a uh, space thing here as well, actually. All right. So uh, 50 years ago, a meteorite landed in Australia. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, quite recently, we have cracked it open and tested it. And what we have found is the oldest material on Earth. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Yeah, exactly. Um the oldest material is I'm called... I'm curious what the age is because I feel like the Earth is three, three, five, Bill? That would make sense uh, because know. our sun is around 4.6 billion years old. Yes. And I have that. As we all know. Yes. yes, yes. And so these uh, pre-solar grains, as they're called, these things they found inside the meteorite by breaking it down and... Pre-solar grains. Yes. Ooh. That's a Star Trek episode. I like that. And so um, these things right here, they have uh, found and they pre-solar are grains. pre-solar grains are between five to seven billion years old. So they're older than our sun. That's awesome. And they found a meteorite that crashed in Australia. Australia. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, let me see. What's the meteorite? I almost said Arizona. Holy shit. 
Um, How far did it come from then? That's the question. Murchison. That's that meter, old. Right? That's it. Um, yeah, well, as far as uh, where it came from, we, we're not quite sure. But uh, what we do know about it is while it was floating out there, it, the reason we can tell these pre-solar grains are this old is because they absorbed uh, cosmic radiation. And we gauged the amount of cosmic radiation they absorbed. And we can tell that these things are ancient. Wow. That's incredible. That is cool. So only 5% of meteorites on Earth contain pre-solar grains. That is the pre-solar grain. I want to keep saying that, dude. Right, pre-solar it's tough. grain. It's, it, it sounds like the seed of a, like another universe or something. And so uh, 100 of the largest pre-solar grains could fit on a period. Oh, shit. That's how rare they are? Yes. Oh, man. I was, I was assuming a rock or something. <laughs> Jeez, we're talking about particles. They're fucking going CSI on space, bro. They take a they take one meteorite and they break it down to particles to the, that are so small they can't even fit on a pen. Right? That's how much they're studying them. Let's break like let's break down this microscopic thing. It looks the same. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> a thousand later, they find one of these. Th- that's insane. Which I like, but that's crazy. So thanks to this breakthrough, um, astronomers have always argued about the rate of star formation, whether it was constant or were there ebbs and flows and whatnot. And uh, this discovery helps them kind of narrow it down. And now they believe that there uh, was more of an ebb and flow nature to it okay. based on these pre-solar grains that are five to seven billion years old. I always took it that they kind of like blew up and made themselves and blew up. So it was almost, I guess makes sense. Ebb and flow, they'd blow up and make them all that stuff. Right. The gases would collect and things would happen. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've read something the other day that I thought was pretty interesting. So I guess scientists have discovered an animal that does not need oxygen to survive. Huh. I would have thought that already existed. But, or what do we define as animal, I guess? Well, it's actually, they they called it, it's weird, all these articles, they called it an animal, and then later on, they're like, it's a multi, multi-cellular animal. So it's not some one-cell bacteria thing, because <clears> there <throat> are there are plenty that can go for extended periods without oxygen, but this is the first time one can go its whole life without it. So it's a little different, because okay. a lot of these things, they could, you always hear about things by the sulfur vents. Right, stuff like that that yeah. can withstand temperature. Yeah, and exactly. All this crap, and they're like, "Oh man, since it can do this, they must be this on Euclidius or all these other fucking planets that have all these things." So, but this one they discovered doesn't need oxygen at all. Period. So that also would open the door for possibly life out there in the universe that would need oxygen because. So far as we define life, we always think we need oxygen. So what this is, it's actually a parasite that lives. Uh, it's very. It's a common parasite that lives on salmon. And it, okay. makes, <laughs> and it makes it i know it's not fucking some weird creature and it, it looks um they call it where did i write it it basically look okay they call it, it cause they call it like a tapioca disease because it looks like weird white nodules on the on the salmon yeah okay and you should don't be eating that you know <laughs> like, like yo yeah i've seen that like, but it, it is actually a thing like if you if you have like a salmon farm and they get this bacteria then you're, you're kind of fucked type of deal but they looked into it and this thing, they basically dyed it with a blue fluorescent dye. And this blue fluorescent dye dyes the mitochondria of the cell. And as we all know, mitochondria. The powerhouse. Powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> Thank you very much. I have it right there. Powerhouse of the cell. So the powerhouse of the cell, it basically takes oxygen and it, and it converts that into ATP, which is the energy that we all blah, 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 blah. 
So this thing. No, what is ATP? You just a- go. Well, if you go into biology, ATP is the energy stored in your muscles. It's the uh, mitochondria takes oxygen <clears throat> in a respiratory way, and it somehow converts it to ATP. And ATP is the energy that the cell uses to do its cell things. Okay, we are made of cells. Mm, gotcha. so ATP is a huge thing. So I'm sure what I'm saying sounds ignorant to someone who knows what they're talking about. But like for the most part, that's how I kind of know it to be. Is this? And so what's cool about well, about this, it's called Heneguya. Heneguya. Here's, here's my pronunciation. Heneguya cell salmonicola. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, uh, this is the thing that it does not require the uh, aerobic respiration because they, they dyed it with this blue dye. Uh-huh. And this thing's supposed to dye all the mitochondrial cells. And the, like I said, the this mitochondria thing converts oxygen to energy. These things weren't glowing with the blue thing, so they weren't. They didn't have that, so they weren't like mitochondria at all. So this thing could live without oxygen its whole life, and they think it's because it was buried in the fish, and there's not much oxygen in there. Period, and it probably somehow learned to, to, to shed the thing that it wasn't working for it. So it it wasn't working with oxygen. So this thing exists, and like I said, there there are a couple little particles that maybe could do similar things but this is a multicellular thing they call it an animal right so i mean they is it, it big animal. enough to be like a flea can we get a, like a gross nasty picture of it and like there are pictures of it because yeah. if you look at like a salmon fillet it has all these white spots on it that's yeah. this parasite bacteria thing and you're not supposed to eat those things I, I have a I question. Would, I would not. Did it say the only animal because isn't there like tardigrades or something that can survive in the vacuum of space that are considered an animal because they're like a microorganism? That's what made it so confusing to me because everything they mentioned was this is the first one that does not need oxygen, period. And then they said animal and then they said multicellular animal. So oh, I, so maybe a tardigrade isn't multicellular. I don't know because I think it would be. So that's why I go back to – I'm not sure if I if it could, could survive the vacuum of space, but you say it could. We have to look into it. Do you we'll know, see. scientists? No, <laughs> like we said like, we're completely know. underqualified okay, to talk about We have no about idea this. what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. So if you know more – but we're theory crafting, which well, is we once are. again no, exactly. what the show's about. And I have to, because I was even thinking, like, what if we took frozen When fish? you brought that up, I thought you were going to bring up tardigrades. No, no, tardigrades never came up in this research at all. So I'm gotcha. assuming they must require some sort of aerobic respiration. For sure. Well, actually, because when I started this article, I thought the whole thing was, because I've heard of back, back to the sulfur vents, where there's things that survive on sulfur vents. There's things, but there's things that survive for a long time without oxygen, but this is the first time. This is like a 2020 article, too. This isn't an old one. So, oh, some, yeah. Some of my but articles you, are old, but you this also is a said it can survive its whole life, right? So yes. maybe a tardigrade is only can, te- it can only maybe survive it took, for temporary maybe time. Maybe it took a breath. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I don't know, but yeah, exactly. It can't survive its whole life, but it can survive for a short amount of time. I, probably. I had a joke where I was like, what if we took a bunch of frozen salmon with these particles and we just like threw them out into the space and that'd be a way to like spread life in the universe? Although I, I assume. <laughs> They wouldn't survive the cold temperature radiation. <laughs> so fuck you guys. It's a joke. But uh, but that, I've seen Godzilla. I know what exactly. happens. They mutate but, and they know, come back and they destroy Tokyo. Yeah, use your mind, motherfucker. It's a sci-fi movie. So <laughs> that that could be the way we use this technology for evil. But I thought it was kind of cool because at the, at the end of the day, if something that requires no oxygen exists on Earth, now certain environments in space that we know exist, and we said, oh, there's no way life could be there. Now we have to look back at it and say maybe life could somehow figure it out there. Possibly. Although this could be an evolved version. Like life – like this almost sounds like this thing started out 
with oxygen capabilities with that mitochondria and then ditched it because they didn't need it. Yeah, so what then, it just it just functions without breathing, essentially. They think it steals energy or ATP and stuff from the from the host. Yeah. Because it's a parasite. So I mean obviously it has to do something. And it looks like I think it's the ancestor of a jellyfish they mentioned too. Fucking love it. Yeah. Goddamn jellyfish weirdos. Fucking weirdos. This yeah. <laughs> is aliens. No, nah, so uh I don't, I wish it was just a tad bit more useful like it gobbled radiation or something like i guess we can learn from it at the end of the day but i want to breed it into like i wish it cured cancer yeah (laughs) kind of personally i mean futurology me wants to crossbreed it with something else that does something useful and then you send this thing into dangerous environments to do something useful like basically you make parasites that somehow leech off of the people yeah, you just drop fish on oil spills. It's and this thing is like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It's kind of a vampire, right? Wouldn't it be a vampire? Yeah, it's a parasite. It's like, instead of breathing, yeah, some type of vampiric horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you want to take a break? Yeah, I got to pee. Yeah, okay. Uh, when we come back from our break, apparently Mr. E has a story for us. So we'll look forward to that. Pitch a Scooby movie. <laughs> no, none of that. See you then. earlier and teased a topic to me in private so i'm very curious about it so let's hear it what is it what is the debut topic for mr e so much hype okay so normally as you guys know (laughs) normally as you guys know sean and max are your host so i i normally don't report on topics but i came across this one and i've been hyping it up for a while because i thought it was i thought it was great and pretty funny so what if i could tell you that you could listen to the voice of a 3,000-year-old ancient mummy. I would be intrigued. It would be pretty cool, right? I'm thinking... I've theories on how that would happen, too. I'm thinking you're crazy, and we should lock you up. That's what I would think. Okay. Well, a team of researchers from the UK... (laughs) Team of research... (laughs) Team of research from the UK has managed to reconstruct the vocal tract of an Egyptian mummy. Sean, you'll like this. Using a com- uh, combination of CT scans, 3D printing, uh-huh. and an electric larynx. Oh, you know what makes no shit. You know yes. what I'm already thinking, right? What? You know what I'm thinking. What? Jurassic Park three. Uh, <laughs> 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 I love so that the, little thing. This incredible project began in 2013, so it's been going for a long time. Yeah. And it combines expertise from clinical science, archaeology, Egyptology, museum curation, and electrical engineering. So over the six With years, because this combined <laughs> over the six years, because I've been holding on to this topic for a little while, the team worked hard to scientifically recreate the voice of and mind my mind my pronunciation Nesamun, a three thousand year old ancient Egyptian. Say that again. <laughs> it's N E S Y A M U N. That's not what he asked you. Nesamun. <laughs> it's not so easy, <laughs> is it? All the time. Yeah. Every time he has to pronounce a Russian dude, a Japanese guy, I, I abuse him. Nesamun. <laughs> I try not to pronounce it beforehand. Uh, too. Yeah, the funny thing is, it sounds female. Apparently, it was a he. The so. people are just the hard to pronounce. <laughs> So this mummy was placed in a finely decorated coffin, and it was a priest, incense bearer, and a scribe at the ancient Egyptian temple of Karnak. And he died Ooh. around 1100 BC. So uh, 
so I just want to wrap my head around this. Sure. They think they know what he sounds like when he talks based on uh, scans of his larynx, yes. essentially. Yes. So his voice box is... Voice I mean, creation. Obviously, system. his inflections would be different, and how he would okay. emphasize voices and stuff. But but there's a reason there. they chose this specific mummy to do this. Is he yeah. famous? Oh my god! So, are they raising the dead with this so guy? There were a couple of interesting coincidences right. regarding this certain <laughs> mummy. Nesimune's name means "true of voice," a coincidence that was ah. interesting to the researchers. Oh. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> not only that. Oh, so fucking how Not only that, the name is true of voice. Them recreating this mummy's voice was only possible because the larynx of this mummy was so well preserved through the mummification process. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll get And even that. more interesting, uh, inscribed <laughs> inside the coffin was a desire to wish to speak after death. Oh, God. So very like, cool please stuff. Please be on the podcast <laughs> 2,000 years from now. So, yeah, so with, very cool stuff, I thought. Yeah, when future uh, archaeologists discover all our tombstones and they see R.I.P. on them and they're like, oh, R.I.P., in our language, that means, uh, you know, uh, fucking something special. <laughs> really enjoy that. podcasts, yeah, but whatever. enjoy is spelled wrong. You can find <laughs> I Yolo. wish to speak after death on half of these sarcophaguses. Okay, okay. I, it's just a coincidence. I'm not tearing, I'm not tearing okay, it apart. Okay. I'm just saying like... Yeah. So, now let's get to the real meat and potatoes. Okay. The CT what? scans... the potatoes? Like... <laughs> the CT... No, because we, we still, still have to hear the voice. Yeah, we want to hear the voice. Yeah. Oh my god, there's actually an audio. So the CT scans allowed this team to reconstruct his vocal track which was then recreated using a 3D printer. The artificial vocal track can now produce a sound at first uh, at first step to attempting to recreate or reconstruct the ancient Egyptian's voice. So the lead researcher behind this said, <laughs> when it comes to... <laughs> I just soon to come to your Siri or fucking navigation app like Egyptian. What's his better than most things? The podcast, the star. <laughs> We're going to get this guy to say our name. All right. Continue. So uh, the lead scientist said when it comes to any thoughts of producing running speech, things are different, but there are possibilities. Combining knowledge of phonetics and linguistics with speech science means that we can use it to anticipate typical articulary gestures that he would have used to change his vocal tract shape and therefore do this in software and create running speech. So that is an idea. There is a load of work to get anywhere near this, but it is a distinct possibility for the future. Hey, what are you studying? I study speech science. (laughs) (laughs) Get a lot of chicks, do you? Yeah. So the, the last part of this article is scientists have previously attempted to recreate the voices of ancient individuals using facial recognition software to recreate an approximation of the sounds they would have produced. <laughs> the new research is a first, and it is all down to how well the mummy's vocal tract was preserved. So with all that said, do we want to hear the voice that this mummy said? Can we predict? Yes, absolutely. How it's going to sound? Yeah. All right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go first. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, hi, this is Max. Uh, this is my rendition of Ancient Mummy. Okay. All right. What do you think he's going to sound like? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That was my pre-setting like, it. God damn it. I thought that was very mummy. NPR of the mummy, but you know. Yeah, I just no, yeah. have it. Hello, I am a mummy. Well, that that is it. Nice. I am just a mummy. Okay, Fucking asshole. Okay. I think the All mummy right. is going to sound something like this. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my... No, okay. Here's the, the real answer. Time? Okay, yeah. let's hear. Let's hear it, Max. Let's oh. Uh, wait, did he say words? Oh. Okay, we're yeah. gonna find out. Okay, mommy. 
is my emo tip. Okay, <laughs> you guys want to hear what it sounds like? I sure, shit. Do. This is what they recreated: three thousand year old ancient Egyptian mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. god. I was way closer than he was. He was, was close. He was close. <laughs> One more time for the listeners out there. This is what they recreated. <laughs> so the part I left out of that of that whole uh topic was that uh, shall I roll. Basically, so. with all that knowledge and science, they can only produce a ah uh, or e sound so far. <laughs> so. <laughs> One more time? All right. <laughs> oh my god. First of all, number one, this article is atrocious in the nature. Uh, but second of all, I love it and I want this sound effect to be in the show. That was the whole plan. Yes. That was okay, the whole plan. I think that sound effect is. I would love to even hear it again. Yeah. I, I okay. want to annoy the audience. <laughs> okay, so fun the fact. Up is so good. When I was researching this, I played it on my phone. And when I get into my car and I start the car, my car plays on Bluetooth. It restarts whatever was playing last. And this was hidden in like some Chrome tab that I could never find. So for like two weeks, every time I would start my car, I would hear. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to. It would literally cue into the new song. And yeah. I love that it's the sound of an ancient. <laughs> but that hype up was I, I i was expecting maybe like i mean you I were know, close though you i don't know i was expecting maybe a word but like i don't know how they gonna okay it's, it's so short <laughs> all right futurologist how are you gonna use that in the future right, that's my you. story though i had you. to save that i knew it would be funny so we take the 3d printed larynx uh-huh. that he just created right we do a a a bladder, if you will, a bladder air system, and okay. it's in a satellite, and we send it out there. So now, get ready to play it. Every time the alien <laughs> is getting like finds a satellite, it's like, what is this? And like, it's made of metallic weird things, and they're ancient. Like, how could this be? And they open it, and they press play on the thing. It's gonna say, <laughs> right? And they go, what? And they're gonna flip out, and that's how. It and then it would also point back to Earth a little bit. So, yeah, but you called it. That was going to be my whole origin of this was it's going to be a sound wave for the oh, show. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. I think that should – I would like control that. There's a joke that falls yeah. short, just – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. And it will just always have a, a meeting. That was rock-solid futurology uh... – that buildup was good because I don't know what Thank I was you. expecting. Like I am a caveman. Like I don't know what I was expecting. Like I am an Egyptian person. <laughs> I like how you said mummy because like that seems like what they would make him say. All right, I have a question for both of you. Okay, what do you think the deadliest book in America is? Okay, you teased this to me. Off oh, you did Spoiler. tease this. He's, like he always teases me. So I have a <laughs> fictional answer, I'm and it would be the Necronomicon. Because, oh, that's uh, a great guess. That's right? It's a demonic book. It's made of human flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would actually Ashford's say the exact made. opposite and say the Bible. Ah, okay. So this is not the Bible. Okay. It's not the Necronomicon. Okay. Right. I knew someone was going to say the Bible. Like, yeah. that is so controversial. Yeah. And it, it has been the uh, inspiration wait, can I say another for one? a lot of wars. I'd wait, 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 wait. The yeah. Anarchist Cookbook. Ooh. That's the other one? Okay, okay. I have another one, too. Yeah. I'd say... Uh, I'd say uh, the book title is called "This Book Has the Sharpest Edges of All Books." <laughs> so people so would just avoid like it. People, people keep cutting themselves. Uh, Every time you turn the page, you get a paper. It's cut. just like the deadliest book. <laughs> so the book I'm referring to is called "Shadows from the Walls of Death." I knew it. <laughs> you son of a bitch! It was you son published. Of a bitch. It was published in 1874. Okay. 
And uh, it's a big book, about 22 inches by 30 inches. So it's a, you know, it's decent size. It's a it's, huge book. Yeah, that's that's bigger than a ruler. That's a tome. Yeah, yeah that's like a ruler's 12 inches last time I checked. True that. <laughs> can we get someone to fact check can we, that? Yeah. Uh, can you check that, Mr. Our viewer can someone... Yeah, right? Let me Google so this. that's bigger than a ruler. That's huge for a fucking book. Thank you, Bill Nye the Science Guy. So the book was the work of Dr. Robert M. Uh, Kedzie. That's a that's a good one for you, Max. Kedzie. Uh, he developed the book as a way to show awareness to um, uh, uh, wallpaper layered with arsenic. So the book is nothing but pages and pages of different wallpaper patterns that are laced with arsenic. Oh, wow. And as we know, arsenic is a poison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that Mm -hmm. should kill you. It was, um, I think I have something here. The uh, poison was known once as inheritance powder because back in the day, people would poison their relatives. And uh, so this page, the book is full of poison. Because well, arsenic is super toxic, yeah. right? You only yeah. need just you can absorb it through your skin and die. Is that correct? I don't know. Not that much. That's how you kill people, though. Is arsenic? It's a poison, like for sure. And the I think fact that's, that how, it's... Uh, that's how Norman Bates killed his mom. Was arsenic? What? Fun fact for you. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I actually I don't know the uh, the <laughs> psycho universe, but I thought she died of old age because he was into her. Like no. he was like you know like oh mother no. Yeah, I think he killed her. He killed her? I'm pretty sure. What? I remember watching all of the psychos spoilers, back in the day. Bro, is this a spoiler podcast? <laughs> right. Okay, so <clears throat> this book, the reason it exists by this guy is he wanted to raise awareness about this arsenic-laced wallpaper. And so what he did was he collected uh, samples of all the wallpaper he could find with uh, arsenic in it and made it into 100 books. And then he mailed these books to universities and libraries across the country. Say, so on paper, this is a horrible idea, right? And so, it, yeah, it, at this point in the story, I want to in study my this, mind, the poisonous things and have samples of it. Well, at, at this point, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, like, you know, that might have been cool back then, but nowadays, that's domestic terrorism. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's like, this guy's just mailing poison books to everybody and shit. Like, you can't do that. It's like, I'm going to study the occult and supernatural things, so I'm going to put all the things, if you read together, it is the Necronomicon. I was going to say, well, it might as well yeah, be Yeah, dude, point. might yeah. as well be. It's, it's <clears> just all the stuff that you shouldn't you shouldn't say or do put together, and it has, like, samples in it. But, I mean, if he's sending them to universities and stuff, that's, like, he's helping, right? Well, he's see, not well, really. It sounds like ignorance. And this was, Unless well, one of those, yeah, they could use it for wrong. This was back in 1874. Uh, yeah, and oh, so it's ignorance. Okay. The spread like, of information was not very, not, you know. Adequate or up to For snuff sure. right now. But so uh, two remaining copies are in existence. Or, I'm sorry, maybe four. No, two surviving. Yeah, there you go. Uh, one at Michigan and one at uh, the University of Michigan. So MSU and University of Michigan. I didn't know those were two different things, but apparently they are. <laughs> Michigan just hit the, the lucky street there. <laughs> they got both. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And then there's two other copies out there. I'm glad you like that so much, <laughs> Uh, the others are at Harvard University Medical and the National Library of Medicine. Oh, so there was four. There are four. Oh, yeah. gotcha. I thought there were four. Yeah. You lied to us? I should learn to read my stories don't more. Be, don't be lying to our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was super interesting because uh, I didn't know there was the deadliest book out there. and it's No, I like the idea too because it is – It's 
On some level, isn't it kind of funny? Like in the eighteen hundreds, like I'm going to grab a bunch of poisons and talk about them, and I'll pretty much give samples of them, even though he didn't know he was doing that. But that is kind of a, a goofy idea. Yeah, and the whole reason the wallpaper was uh, laced with arsenic was because back in the day they used to mix arsenic with different pigments and copper and different things, and they'd form, uh, you know, really vibrant colors with it, and so it was common practice. But uh, people didn't know that what was killing them was inside their house. So they'd get bed rest and then they'd continue getting sick. His sequel was like the Mercury book. All about Mercury. (laughs) And it has like packets of Mercury you could just play with and touch. Yeah, what was that title? Gargle with. So for anybody who's listening or interested, that title of the book was Shadows from the Walls of Death. Right? I mean, the name fits. It's very just to confirm. It actually kills sounding. people, right? People actually died from the, the book. No, no, no. This was all academic. I'm sure he sent a, a letter. Uh, my my whole domestic terrorism. Yeah, I thought the. Whole, <laughs> <laughs> I was even like I like I thought I thought the whole point was it killed a lot of people. No, was that misleading? Of so me? it's the most poisonous book. Well, that's not headline. <laughs> I thought it was the deadliest book. <laughs> I wouldn't have researched this topic if it's not attention grabbing. You, he's a misleader. No, no. <laughs> well, when you think deadliest, you would think it killed at least oh, well, half a I was person. Waiting for the story to end, like, and ten thousand people died from reading this book because, like, they were reading poison, right? <laughs> not just no one. All right, the Bible. You happy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the answer. We, were, we were way right. I was just a big red Holy herring. Shit. <laughs> what do <are> you got? <laughs> All right, my next one will blow you. Wouldn't that be like a book of torture, the deadliest book? Because that book led to torture and stuff. Like, what is a poison book with no poison in it? I thought the whole point of the book poisoned people. It's a. It's technically. What was was the base behind the arsenic? It's technically the deadliest book. Because that never killed a person. It doesn't have to kill anybody. Deadliest insists. I disagree. I think if we're no, 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 I want to hear this. I'll debate this till the end of time. Okay, so deadliest means what? Deadliest, I think, (laughs) implies the potential potential of death. So if it's if you just uh, deadliest means confined a bunch of razor blades together, it's still the the deadliest thing you can you know. So point being. This is the deadliest book because it has the potential to kill you. Wouldn't like a a, bo- a a book about nuclear bombs be a more potential deadlier book? Like, no. Like, here's how to make a nuclear bomb. Because it's not bomb. the knowledge in the book. It's the book itself that is deadly about this uh, thing. Well, I mean. Because we're not. Uh, that's why I thought the Bible. I thought it was like turning yeah. people into fanatics, which would in turn do violent acts, which would the cause death. in the but, book yeah, itself. I didn't know it was actually the book itself. So if you shipped a book out with a gun in it. <laughs> Is that the that deadliest would be book? the deadliest book because for sure by his definition or a knife hmm what if there's an okay knife there's a knife in like the the the, the, the cover it's a hard it's a hardback cover it's like if you take the cover and bend it this will stab somebody some people in prison so you, like i don't know people. so you think if andy dufresne was a serial killer rapist asshole mm-hmm. his book would be the deadliest book essentially because he used a book to hide a chisel which let him get out and do things like you're 
What kills, the bullet or the gun? Uh, yeah, no, the way you're defining this deadliest book is a metaphysical conversation. I know, we're going like, yeah, to argue abortion far, after this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're wrong, uh, whatever you think. Uh, um, but, like, whatever, it, it's like a metaphysical conversation of, like, what has caused the most death or, like, what is the potential. So, at first, when you describe a book full of poison, I was like, of course, that probably killed a lot of people. And then later on, it's, well... It killed really no one, it, and, and like, and, and, and nobody's. It's like, is that the de- like? So I get it, and I get it. So chiming in here, looking by the deadliest definition, Sean is technically right. It says causing or able to cause death. So. Yeah. Okay, but I also feel like it's subjective. You know, like no, I can't. I feel I like deadliest it. means conf- it confirmed a kill at least one time no. in its life. Okay, what if it was like a book that was irradiated with radiation that's going to yeah, kill you? Okay, like, that would be the deadliest book. Yeah. So that's kind of what this argument's saying. Like this is the potential. Like if you if you read it, you will die. Okay, I get it. It just so all that being I said, it gonna, I thought I had a bigger death. Toll. It's going to weaken my argument. But all these books that exist now, the four, they're all uh, covered in plastic and shit. So you're not going to die from reading it. But lame, limited exposure. And, lame. Yeah. That would be very cool to go see one though. I totally agree. Yeah, very 100% cool. Agree. So the closest one is to us is Michigan, huh? Let me find the guy. It was like Michigan, and then there was two in Michigan, uh, Arizona. Oh yes. Okay, so Michigan, uh, MSU, and the University of Michigan, and then the two other ones are ones at Harvard University. Medical, oh, okay. And then the other ones at the National Library of Medicine. Oh, great, nice. Good duh. Yeah. All right. What do you got, man? <coughs> um, I'm choking on this book. <laughs> <laughs> It just <coughs> wallpaper. <coughs> it's so good. I love the way it describes it. Okay. So I was looking into something that I found fascinating because I feel like my teeth aren't the best. My family, they just have a history of cavities and just missing like a teeth getting pulled out and I stuff. I can't speak and, for your your uh, teeth, but you do have really thin lips, so you Never know, mention that again. <laughs> <laughs> Never mention that again. My lips are full and robust, uh, and no that's one. That's why he grows that mustache out so long. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but, no upper but lip. But back to the mother. back to the fucking to the to the to the toothistry, if you will. Um, I was interested in this topic because I feel like my teeth are like eventually are gonna like go bad. That's why I always I feel like I'm pretty up on my teeth my teeth game. But um, scientists at King's College London, which is in London, believe it or not, Ah. has found proof that our teeth can self-replicate. What the fuck does that mean? Basically, long story short. I've never grown another tooth out of a a pre-existing tooth. Well, they can if you, you know, do the right factors to it. So in theory, we might be able to regrow our teeth instead of getting implants and stuff. That Possibly. sounds like a homunculus. Possibly. <laughs> so, so it's the deadliest book. <laughs> no, I'm intrigued though. Yeah, do okay, I need to drink so, more soda or what? No, okay. So these guys in London, basically. So they found a method of stimulating natural tooth repair through an activation of cells in the tooth that makes new dentine, it's called. And what I found out is there's three layers of teeth. There is the enamel outside, the dentine inner and then the basically the inner inner core is called the the pulp or something inner pulp 
And that's the stuff we don't fuck with. So there's an apple and dentine. So they found this drug. It's called Tide Glucib. Tide Glucib for the Discord. I'm hooked. You had me yeah. Tide. Yeah, exactly. I know. Brought to you by Tide Glucib. Yeah. Was that an intentional reverse hiccup? Or? <laughs> no, dude, it was Tide. tide. Dude, you see fucking Tide. Like, you can't not use that word. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me pronounce the glucid more. Fuck face. And so, so Thai glucid was discovered to stimulate production of dentine. So the dentine is the inner part of these te- of, of teeth, right? Okay. And so they're thinking if they can possibly produce enough of this dentine, maybe you could fill in cavities. That's the whole hoopla. Of so uh, this tide glucine. Tide glucib. Glucib. Please this get tide it right. glucib. Did we just discover it, or what, what's the story behind well, that? Well, it's 2020 right now, okay. and they've actually been studying this for five years. So I guess in 2015, they've been, like, studying this idea of doing this. So it's really this drug created this increase of the dentine. But I don't. I want to stress that it's not a super increase. It's just an increase of dentine. Well, that's that's like when you see all your, uh, your whitening gum and your whitening toothpaste. It's not going to happen overnight. You need to use the product Correct. for several months before you start seeing any results. Exactly. So uh, my question to you, if you know it or not, is um, is this something they can add to the toothpaste, like fluoride, like the rest of the crap they do, and possibly over time we'll start seeing benefits? That I don't know, but the fact that it's a drug makes you think it's an internal process. Okay. So the fact, I mean, I guess if you yeah. had drugs in the toothpaste, maybe if they didn't it would absorb. It. I mean, doesn't, co- I mean, I don't know, but doesn't like cocaine I'm looking it up online. In your, in your, in your you can guns? buy it as a supplement online. Right. I'm yeah, guessing. I just looked it up. Tiglucib? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, supposedly it can, it can regrow like the internal thing and they're trying to re- like research if it can grow more into that. That's fun. And I've been studying for five years, and that's kind of it. But when I was researching this topic, I found, like, another half topic. So these are kind of half topics on the the same subject. So, again, so that was actually King's College London was researching how to basically replicate the dentine via the Tide (laughs) Glucid. Fuck faces. Meh. Um... <laughs> but that's his new favorite thing. Dude, I, love. I love the mud, please. I I want control of the mud. But um, you'll never so get control. Also, of yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. I'll please get that mud. That is I'll my that my original um, content. Also, in Columbia University, they are also researching how to do like basically regrow teeth, and uh, they have may have found a way to regrow lost teeth through the use of stem cells and bioengineering. And so they haven't grown teeth in a person's mouth. Big uh-huh. disclaimer. Uh-huh. But they have done it in rats. They've grown people teeth off the back of a Dude, rat? Rats or they've have... regrown rat teeth in a rat? No, not people teeth in rats. It's okay. rat teeth in rats. Okay. But that's a great question. Well, because they grow question. human yeah. ears and stuff. So I'll say, do rats have like the primo <laughs> shit? Have you noticed everything we talk about, no matter what, the rats... Oh, have yeah. It. They've got a really good position in yeah. life. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Being dude. scientific experiments. Oh, I love and, yeah, it, dude. Absolutely. They're getting superpowers. <laughs> they're immune to sunlight. Like, oh, we may have discovered, you know, anti-aging. We've discovered a rat. This age is, this rat has lived 30 years. <laughs> like something. Uh, so all the rats get, they get the, the primo stuff. So, <laughs> like, like I said, they haven't actually regrown... <laughs> Any human teeth. But with this other... Uh, uh, these are two different universities, obviously. One in London, one in Columbia. <clears throat> Columbia University in America. But they're studying how to regrow teeth. So the idea of this, you know, 
futurology futurology idea of what could the future be like instead of getting a tooth implant instead of fixing your cavity because of drilling all that stuff possibly they could give you a drug and this drug could possibly regrow a damaged tooth regrow a lost tooth and then the tooth would fit in there and this this article mentions stem cells but then when i looked really into it it's like and they're also using stem cells so <laughs> i don't know what they're using with stem cells but they they're obviously doing something with bioengineering because they said they were for the rat teeth they were implanting something in their mouths so they implant something in a rat mouth and then the tooth they took out because they have to experiment on rats um it would regrow so if this thing could be somehow translated to people that'd be cool for me because i feel like my teeth is full of cavities honestly and i would love to take a couple pills and maybe after like three months i could get a whole new set of teeth so I'm just I'm so curious. It it seems like it was a bit invasive with the rat, but maybe that's just early uh, in the process. These are two different like ideas about the teeth regrowth. So that's what kind of like what I dug about it is that two different people like research groups are researching the same idea. So let's let's just let's just transport our, our timeline 20 years from now. Maybe our teeth could just get regrown. I love of... the idea of like what's next for the dental industry. You know, they've been drilling into teeth forever. What's next? Well, they yeah, they can drill. They can replace stuff. I guess the latest update, or I don't know, from my limited dental knowledge is uh, yeah. instead of uh, silver fillings, now we get porcelain or uh, white, like, you know, the ceramic. That kind of is the upgrade, right? Now. It used to be I have a gold pirate tooth, and now it's, oh, it looks like a real tooth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the implants. Ah, fascinating. Okay. So uh, that was our first episode. Uh, man, did you guys have a good time? It was fun. I did. It was so yeah. fun. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore podcast, and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app. 